Roll sound, Scotty. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape! Paul's podcast with Scott, with Liam, with Paul. Hello. Good evening. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, is the John Hughes marathon wearing you down, Liam? It, it is now. It is now. It is now. I binge watched <laughs> a lot of John Hughes films, so I don't think I've done myself any favours. Is that a problem? Is it going to be the fact that are they that similar that? You start thinking, oh, I've seen this before now. I think for me, because I, I would say so for myself, yeah. because I've watched Breakfast Club quite a lot just this year alone because I love the film. Right. I've seen 16 Candles a few times before and then I watched it again today. Yeah. Um, and the film we're going to review today, I watched not long before we literally came here. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think it's just... Are we safe in saying that the John Hughes movie is a genre that... You shouldn't binge watch then. It should be something uh, you should I, dip into. Now. I think with John Hughes, he has two themes. Cool. The teenage love story theme. Yeah. And the comedy. Yeah, there's two that, distinct John yeah. Hughes movies, and, yeah. And the comedies, you could binge watch because they're all quite different. Yeah. yeah. you you got your Home Alone, you got your Planes, Trains. Yeah. So, but then... His teen if, ones. I think if, if you you couldn't binge yeah, watch. If you binge yeah. watch the teen ones, yeah, you'd, you'd start getting sick yeah. of them after number yeah. two. No one knows that much teens. Well, <laughs> For people who don't know what's happened, Paul just put his hand up because <laughs> he likes that much teens. But has this been an education that you know John John Hughes movies we're fully aware of. We, yeah. we know John Hughes. We we know his movies. Paul and I grew up. At the time when we were the right age to watch a John Hughes yeah. movie, you've watched them, Liam, yeah. um, and sort of rediscovered them. But you're, you've been fully aware of them for years. Yes. You know? Yeah, definitely. Is he worthy of being up there? With, I'm not going to say he's worthy of being up there with some of the greatest directors of all time, but is he worthy of recognition? I Def- think he is, yeah. definitely. Because to me, he started that genre. Yeah. yeah. I don't think we'd have... The American Pies, no, if, if John Hughes yeah. had not done... 100% the groundwork. Yeah. yeah. But then um, again, is that a good thing? Oh, fuck <laughs> you. because no, you love so, the American Pies. I love Pies. American Pies as well. I think they were great. Yeah. But that's the thing. If you didn't have the John Hughes style of film play, would you have had friends? Yeah. That's very true, actually. I think a, we can look at films, but you also have to look at TV. Because, the influence all across. Because of what... Friends had to have an influence from somewhere. Yeah. And it was made in the early nineties, so chances are influences were John Hughes films. Yeah. Also, so then look what's gone on from Friends. So without John Hughes, 
Yeah. A lot of what we like now, Big Bang Theory, all that's anything that's guys and girls yeah. wouldn't be around. Also the use of music in a movie in that particular yeah. Oh, yeah. way no, that the, John the, Hughes did, you know. He did use a lot of music in all of his films. But and it wasn't you know, specially composed scores or anything. No, it no, was just contemporary. Bits. And also it wasn't overpowering at any point. It was just like incidental sort of in the background. Yeah, we mentioned in the last episode, <clears throat> yeah. didn't we? We heard a bit of Brilliant Minds by Furniture in this episode that we're, you know, this film they're about to talk about. Yeah, and um, it was literally 20 snippet, odd seconds. Yeah. And I was like, is that? <laughs> I think that's what makes some of them great is that if you can have, not great, so that's a bit too much, but if you can throw in songs like that, like mm. Simple Minds and things into a, a film that's about the people at the time. So that's the music mm. that would have been on at that time. Yeah. If you didn't have that in films, all we would be knowing would be, and genuinely I love it, but we'd just be hearing John Williams everything. True. Which is just composed music for what it's all, um, what's the other one we both like? Zimmer. Yeah, Hans, Hans Zimmer. Zimmer. Mm. You'd be hearing that and scores that are made. And you think, yeah. that's why teen films, and like I think now, with like I mentioned earlier, with Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, sorry, yeah. the last episode about Guardians of the Galaxy, is that they chose to pick old school from when he was younger, mixtapes, which everyone can relate to a mixtape that's adult enough now. Yeah. And it is, it's songs that you can then relate to instead of going, oh, they've just got some superhero theme tune behind them. Exactly. They've got music yeah. you yeah. love. Yeah, the first Superman movie was John Williams through yeah. and through. Tarantino does it. Tarantino does it. Yeah. It's a great effect, doesn't he? Yes. Paul mentioned Baby Driver when we took a break earlier yeah. about how Edgar Wright uses music in that respect I as well. You know. Yeah. For I, me, I think, because uh, I mean, I'm... I probably I'm a bigger music lover than I'm film lover, um, but I, I think that's the thing is that you can make a film from good to amazing if you have a soundtrack. Yeah, that I, I would genuinely say, and I love both Pulp Fiction and I love Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, take out the songs that are in them. Oh, is yeah. it going to be as great a film? It's not going to no be as way. memorable. No, no, no people way. might turn around and go, yeah, because that, yeah, that seems great. Yeah, but if someone says to you, stuck in the middle with you, you are people so immediately shy. start doing the dance to cut someone's ear off. Yeah, it, and that wouldn't happen if that song wasn't in there. Yeah, yeah, it's Snatch with Golden Brown when he yeah. gets knocked out. You just picture that, and the pike, like Pike, he's knocked him out, and he's near mm. enough dead on the. It's the music, and when you pick actual songs instead of scores, yeah, because can you? name the tune or can you hum the tune when um, Luke Skywalker like gets his hand chopped off when he's fighting Darth Vader no no one can but yeah if you listen to that soundtrack you'll go that's that scene of course you do yeah. Yeah. but no that's thing scores are great yeah like, I, I love the um, soundtrack to Inception by Hans Zimmer yeah. superb score yeah. can't tell you what part of the film they're in even before no, no, no. but it's just and, brilliant and me I love Inception I can't think of the music at all mm. to the point where I don't know if you play it to me, I'd say Inception. Yeah. But obviously... But you'd it, get confused and it, go, it could yeah. be another film because yeah. they're all very similar. But it, it adds, if if I watched Inception and they didn't have the music on, yeah. then I'd be like, oh, well... Music adds the drama to it and that's the thing yeah. that people have to remember is that films and music do go hand in hand. And if someone says they don't like music... Chances are they're not going to be a big film fan. Mm. Well, it goes back to the silent age, doesn't it? Films weren't silent. Yeah, they yeah. had a piano in the background yeah. Just or like, whatever, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> they needed something. Yeah. You know? and, and John Hughes is the precursor to your Quentin Tarantino's or yeah. your Edgar Wright's or somebody that, that uses contemporary music or mm. familiar music yeah. rather than a score to highlight a scene. Films 
had used music before that Stay Alive Night Fever. But especially composed for the but, theme. Yeah, and also they were actually in the films. Yeah. So they were dancing, dancing to them, to, they were singing yeah. to yeah, them. They like weren't that. a background noise yeah. of yeah. a kid sitting in a bedroom, yeah. that's what's playing. Yeah. That you can all go And it's not a song, song playing on the radio. It's, 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 it's like, not yeah. yeah, it's like um Remember the very first Mission Impossible movie with Tom yep. Cruise? Jesus I, I got the soundtrack album on CD. Limp Biscuit song, Take a Look Around. Yeah. yeah. But on that soundtrack album is Dreams by the Cranberries. Yep. And I'm thinking, well, at what point was that yep. in the movie? Yep. And like you said, Liam, it's in a radio in the background. And that's yep. exactly what it was. And when I watched it a couple of years later, I'm thinking, there it is. You can just hear it. Yeah. So they've included it. Um, I'll tell you, he's very clever at combining score and sort of contemporary music, is your man that done four weddings and all that sort of Richard stuff. Curtis. Richard Curtis. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Look some at, of his um, films do a bit of both, don't they? Love Actually, Love where actually, he's yeah. listening yeah. to, um, is it Jump? By the Pointer Sisters. Uh, it's yeah, the well, one the girls allowed. Yeah. Oh, it does the girls allowed. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. listening to that on the radio, cause yeah. Yeah. and then it actually then played the song loudly. Yeah. And yeah, they do the same thing in yeah. that. Which but then it has a well. brilliant orchestral score. If you listen to some of the yeah. stuff from Four Weddings, it's beautiful yeah, orchestral but, music. But again, yeah. though, actually, the, the scene at the end where all the real families are meeting each other at the airport. Mm. and Oh, uh, it's a Brian Wilson. It's yeah, God Only Knows. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, which was so brilliantly used. Yeah, yeah so not necessarily contemporary music, but... Yeah. Pieces of music people are more familiar with. Yeah. So, so John, we were saying that John Hughes has this. We can't say that John Hughes is just teen movies. He's not no. the high school movie. John no, Hughes no. Has, has done hasn't done any serious movies particularly. Not that I can not, think of. Not that no. we can think of. There might be if we were to actually dig into this, but it's the lighter side of cinema. It's John yeah. Hughes, but there's always that little bit of dark side to it like we said with Breakfast Club you know when the guys are examining their you know their history and they're talking to each other and they're just opening their souls but John Hughes has got this thing where it's not a team movie every single film is not a team movie it's a fa- is it a family movie can you define a John Hughes movie what, what makes a John Hughes film see for me I, I do think because I don't think of like Planes Trains I don't think of Home mm-hmm. Alone um, I do think of like this, these Breakfast three that Club, we, yeah. some kind of wonderful mm. 16 Candles, Pretty in Pink, mm. all them sort of films that you just think of as for me, I, I, I do think of a teen movie, teen for okay, when yeah. it comes to John Hughes. Because mm. again, for me, I think it's because I love Breakfast Club, yeah. so that's why I associate it with that. Mm. But I, I think if you was to watch all of them, yeah, you might just go, How do you pin it down? Yeah. yeah, how do you pin it down? But do you have to pin it down? You don't, you don't, no, do I, I think that's where we get stuck, didn't you? If you look at Say Tarantino, people often tell him, guys, usually like dark, gritty, gangstery sort of thing. Hitchcock but, was the master of suspense, but they're not yeah. all his movies were no, exactly. suspenseful movies. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Just looking at what John Hughes Yeah, go on, mate, because it's, it's also writing, writing, directing, and producing. Right, and writing, some ones that will surprise you. Flubber. Mm. Yeah, I know he done. Done the screenplay. Mm. 101 Dalmatians, the live action yeah. one. Yeah, can you? Um, Miracle on 34th Street. Yeah. Oh, Attenborough. Yeah. yeah. But again, you've got your typical ones mm. like Beethoven's Dennis the Menace Home Alone, yeah. which are all very sort of similar. I think you would say Curly if, Sue. You would say family. I mean, he's, he's not done a gritty drama. No, as no, no. no. But then that's the thing. Would you ever 
see Quentin Tarantino <laughs> doing out and out comedy. Possibly with him I could, but I couldn't see Judd Apatow doing a, a drama. No. Quentin Tarantino, I think, likes to examine different genres, you know, because yeah. he'll do I think a he western, does. he'll do a... I don't think he'd ever do an out-and-out comedy, because I think that yeah. would be him reaching. The one that he couldn't do. Because yeah. he's quite a tongue-in-cheek guy, quite sarcastic, so yeah. he should be able to. And there's comedy in his movies. But I think that's yeah. as far as he could go, is that he just uses sarcasm. I think if he was tried to do... I think that's why you have certain directors like John Apatow does the comedy. Yeah. Because if you could do all of it, then there'd be no need for others to yeah. try it. But yeah, I don't think Quintone could ever do a yeah. out-and-out comedy. He, he can add it comedic value to his serious films, which are, he always does, and they're amazing. Of course he has, yeah. Mm. yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't, for one minute, think he could make a film that you'd cry laughing or ch- or crack lines to if it was just yeah. a comedy. But that's not to say it take anything away from him, but it's just to say sometimes I think maybe people like John Hughes don't get the credit yeah. that they deserve because... And, and I've I've listened to it a lot on podcasts, and I've heard it when we sp- spoke. But is that comedic or teen or family films don't ever not from us, but in general yeah. don't ever get the credit that if you listen, if you watch a film noir yeah. or if you watch a Quentin Tarantino, if you watch a dark serious film, yeah. people often go, "Oh God, that's that's really great." Me, the Rosso brothers, best filmmakers ever. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> People won't agree with me. What do you think for Infinity War and find a flaw in it? Mm. Yeah. Like a massive flaw that could ruin a film. You genuinely can't. People have tried. But they're to me, they're but no a lot of people won't because mm. as one of our close friends would say, they're just people in rubber suits. <laughs> but that's the thing, how can you take away from someone that's created something? John Hughes created and also what we now love as like, teen films and teen we, we, Yeah, TV shows. pretty much that genre was invented yeah. by him, we, we, we say. And, yeah. and when it takes a billion dollars at the box office, how can you argue with that? Yeah. You can't something, say, something oh, that's a shit right. film. Yeah. Well, how the fuck did it make a million, billion like, dollars? done something right. Yeah. Sometimes you have to just use the imagination you have to ju- and just go with it. And you can look at John Hughes going, no one else is doing things about the average everyday life of kids and what they're going through. Yeah. yeah. So let's discuss what teenagers are yeah. actually doing. If John Hughes was unknown and started directing now, doing what he done then, mm-hmm. he might make some headway with his comedies, but his teen movies are just swept under the carpet. Yeah. Yeah. Because it it's, be. it's all been done before. Look, look at that comedy, not another teen movie. Yeah. Because it was a piss take on all the teen movies, but yeah. none of them would have ever been around without John Hughes in the 80s. Because no one would have known can what you name, movies before. Can you it. name another director that's directed team movies to this extent? Or that, you know, you can't. I, can't, can I don't you? even know who directed the American Pie films. No, nor no. do I off the top of my head. I, I love them, but I genuinely couldn't tell exactly. you because they're so, not... But then they were known for the actors and the films and no one cared who directed yeah. them. And I think that's why like, I'll always, and I will always argue with any human... Or animal, but <laughs> is that John Hughes picked people that weren't massively known? Yeah, they were mm, kids at the time, yeah, and mm. they are now people that everyone knows. Yeah, mm. same as when I say with the Marvel films, they picked a druggy alcoholic who came out of prison. Yeah. They picked an Australian that nobody knew. They picked a guy that was in not another teen movie. Yeah, <laughs> they picked people that were very much unknown people yeah. Yeah. that are now global superstars. Yeah, whereas you look at DC. They picked superstars yeah. and failed massively. 
Other than your Gal, original Ga- Batman. Gal, Gal Gadot wasn't a superstar. Yeah, but that's the thing. That's only one film so far. The second one comes out in 2020. The second Wonder Woman film. Talking of which, there's a John Hughes connection. Have you seen the poster for WW84 or whatever they're naming it now? Yeah, yeah. It's the Breakfast Club poster. Really? Is it? Take a look while I get a bit. Well, that one. There you go. Yeah. And also, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. The, the shit Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. The official Texas Yeah, Massacre. the fuck. Yeah. Right, look at the poster for that. Oh no, yeah, because that was the comedy one, wasn't it? The one where the fuck. Oh, Dennis Hopper, isn't it? Yeah, so appalling. It, it just shows, though, that the 80s is the era people want. It was iconic, wasn't it? Because look at the Goldbergs. Yeah. Everything is 80s. Yeah. People's biggest, best slasher and horror films are 80s based. Yeah. I mean, I know Texas Chase Mask was just before, but. 74, wasn't yeah. it? But... I think cinema in the 80s was I think it's where technology computers just started to click in and it was this sudden boost we could yeah. do so much more yeah. you've got to say 80s has got to be the defining moment in changing film no. music no the 60s he's going to go no the late 1920s when sound came in would be the defining <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. talkies <laughs> Would be the defining moment, mate. But but there was a, a, a big shift in the eighties. It yeah. was a big shift in the sixties when the studio system broke down. Yeah, and all the independent directors and that came to the forefront, yeah. like Coppola and Spielberg and, and you know yeah. Scorsese and all that lot. So the seventies then became yeah. these great gritty things that weren't run by Fox or Universal or Paramount or whatever. But the eighties, I don't know. I think it was the case that. Or did it just like set a standard that changed the standard or something? No, I'll tell you what it was. it's so iconic for... It was people's lives. It was the fact that you had more spare time, more quality time income. out of work, more disposable income. So it was the entertainment. Yeah. It, it was the ability to Entertainment was more accessible as well because mm. of the video age and things like yeah. that. So... When quality films like the John Hughes movies were being churned out, there was a lot of dross being chucked out at the same mm. time oh, just yeah. to I mean, satisfy I've, the video. Market. I've literally yeah. got films. There's one with fucking Rowdy Roddy Piper in it. Some garishly crap, but amazingly cult classic Not films. They Live. Oh, that's one. Yeah, that's another <laughs> crap film. But it's, yeah. well, John Carpenter, They Live's a great film. It's really not. <laughs> but it is in the sense of, I love it, but it's yeah. actually a crap film. It is film. a crap film. I've yeah. just thought, for some reason, Newcomb High. Newcomb High, yeah. class of Newcomb High, yeah. <laughs> but, and I think that's the thing that still happens now, but it's now so obvious. Like, you can watch a film at the cinema and go, amazing. Mm. And then you'll see Dave Bautista's shitty West Ham UEFA Cup that film, and you're like, crap, yeah. what is the point? And it's like you either... Nowadays, it is either you're, you're amazing or you're shit. Back then, you'd have films of people go, it's so shit, it's amazing, and it becomes a great film. Yeah, they had to feed this this appetite that people wanted entertainment constantly mm. because we now had the ability to, to watch a film 24 hours a day where we yeah. never had that before. Mm. Um, and luckily, John Hughes kept his level above that level of shit that was being churned out. Yeah. Mm. Um, it was a great time to be a teenager, the eighties, Paul, wasn't it? I think it was because even music, it went from, I mean, started 
80s with like punk and then it electronic and then scar and that sort of stuff in the early 80s people in the 80s were changing it's like Mm. the boy george and the new romantics it wasn't so wrong to be cross-dressers and people could get away with wearing flamboyant clothing and not Mm. be labeled as such then again we had that glam rock in the 70s to a certain degree yeah like your hair metal yeah. and stuff was but it just sort of developed in a different way didn't it I mean punk was the the answer to glam rock yeah. wasn't it and then I think the new romantics had... became the answer to punk yeah punk had a big say in what changed because it was then when people that were into it were like fuck we don't actually have to give a shit mm. about anyone else anymore but punk was such a very brief part of the 70s yeah, yeah. well late 70s early 70s, 80s 70s, yeah. no it didn't even go that if, if you were to define when was the, the actual era of, era of punk 77 was the, the the high point because it was all to do around about the Queen's Jubilee wasn't it God Save oh, yeah, the Queen and all that yeah. lot. but literally it started 76 he died by 78, 79. There was still the Clash and the Damned and all those yeah. guys still going on. Toya Wilcox. Toya, yeah, but then but she became... Mainstream. Mainstream. She became... Because she was in Jubilee, the Derek Jarman film as a punk. It was more the know, 90s that brought punk back. The late 90s. It, it, it then became something back. else. It became American punk well, as well, called, didn't it? it in the, yeah. But, but because apparently because they're singing about things that they joke about and take the piss out of, it's not classed as punk anymore. I'm like, mm. But surely when you was going against... The authority that was also the same, but because it's now not aggressive, it's now pop punk. But then there has always been people rebelling against society through every single era of music yeah, through the yeah. 50s, through the 60s, whatever. But yeah, I mean, um, rock and roll when it first exactly. started, Elvis Presley um, was the biggest rebel going because nobody had ever seen that in their summertime life. blues. Eddie Cochran, Eddie Cochran, yeah, that's all about voting and whatever in there. Uh, and you that's, can't buy the car because you didn't work a lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that is that's been an anarchist, isn't it? Yeah. it? It's it's been in music all the way through. Yeah, but the eighties was a very well. Each each decade is unique, isn't it? We can yeah. agree on that. The eighties for Except us, for I think, is, is I, I was just about to say that the nineties. What defines the nineties? What defines nothing? 90s? It was a non-entity. Mm. Do you know the only thing I can say that defines the nineties? Yeah, Indie would be you, Indies are the good Manchester call. scene because yeah. it was yeah. your, your Happy Mondays, your um, Charlatans, Stone Charlatans, Roses, Oasis, Stone Roses, Verve. It was Blur. the it was the reemergence of Britpop, wasn't Brit it? Britpop and yeah, indie yeah. music. That's the only thing because boy bands. I mean, I still class as the Beatles as a boy band because they fucking were. Mm. And I do love the Beatles, but they are a boy band. Mm. And from that moment on, boy bands are always going to be more prevalent than girl bands. Yeah. Oh yeah. Not in a sexy sense. But who gives a fuck about girl band? Well, Spice Girls came in the late 90s. but Early 90s? No, late. It was 97, 98 they came in. I was going to say a little bit earlier, but... It was earlier than 90s. A little bit earlier, but... Because mm. I remember when I was at primary school getting um, the Spice Girl cards and posters, and I didn't start secondary school till 96. I had the promo and CD sure of the first album sent to the shop, and I was working in Dartford, so I'd have said 94. Oh, you're right. Formed in 94. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shut up. Ah, oh, but Wannabe wasn't until 96. Yeah. So and that's what I mean. Either way, I know their yeah. stuff was before I went to secondary school. Because mm. they had these things. Tell me that you want. Huh? Tell me what you want. What you really, really want. Ziga cigar. Yeah. I do want a cigar. But I left them at home. I can roll so, you a fat cigarette. <laughs> no, I'm good. So the 80s, 
I think John Hughes is is one of these people and one of these genres of film that if you were to say the eighties, the nineteen eighties, give me a movie, it would be a John Hughes movie. There'd be a very good Charles chance of it. Yeah. I mean, on my thirtieth birthday, mm. I literally went out and bought as many nineteen eighty five made films. Yeah. Oh, what did that include? Hang on, what did that, future, what did that include? Definitely. Come on, I'd, I'd like Back to, to the Future, yeah. um, Commando. Oh, Ferris Bueller is that? Um, I think Ferris Bueller. It was either Ferris Bueller or Say Anything. One of them two. Yeah. Um, yeah. Breakfast Club. Um, I'm trying to think now. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Two. Yeah. Which is the worst out of all of them. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the same as one. It's just no, switched around to be two. Two's the one with the guy under bones and all that yeah. shit in it. Yeah. Um, is that Fergal Sharking in it? Oh, do you know what? I'm trying to think now because I literally I went through on my phone and there's like films made in 1985 and just went out and bought as many as I could. Some of them I still haven't watched, by the way. All oh, right, okay. Like, I bought Commando, and it's I bought them um, DVD. I remember still, that. That's I watched it when I was a kid. Schwarzenegger's Goonies. Yeah. The Goonies, Goonies was like sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, Rambo. Rambo. Really? Jesus. Yeah. See, so, I was I was sixteen that year, so that was the year I was so going Ram- to the Rambo. What first blood? Uh, no, it would have no been Rambo. Rambo. Yeah, first blood part two. Mm. But this, yeah, these ones were Cocoon, brilliant film. Rocky IV, the best one. <gasps> Can I just say, I saw the trailer for Creed Two at the cinema last week, and I cried. It, it, well, I, honestly, it doesn't yeah. show much of Sly, and it doesn't show much of Dolph. Oh, but the bit, the bit that you don't even see him together. No, not not in the know. trailer. But I'm just thinking, he killed his dad. Yeah, and now the <laughs> anger and the angst. Oh, it was the, the trailer really got to me. Yeah. It was oh mate. But that uh, Commando, Mad Max, Beyond the Thunderdome. Jeez. Oh blimey! Friday Thirty for New Beginning. Yeah. Um, Return of the Living Dead. That's not a bad comedy horror, no. actually. Yeah. Fright Night. See, that's that's mind. good. Yeah. Police yeah. Academy Two. I was going to say. I'm only picking up the ones actually bought. Because mm. Steve Gutenberg would be. He was yeah, quite big, prime. wasn't he? Yeah. Teen Wolf. This was the year where I was going to the cinema every yeah. Friday night. St. Elmo's yeah. Fire. Yeah. Reanimator. Yeah. What other ones did I buy? Uh, Once Bitten. Mm. This is Jim Carrey. Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead, yeah. Not as good as Dawn or... No. Yeah. Oh, Day of the Dead is when the guy gets ripped in half, isn't yeah. he? In the bunker, yeah. Yeah. Um, what else did I buy? I think that might have been actually what's here. So let's take a short break. And we'll be back with some kind of wonderful. I'm going out with a girl tonight, and she's beautiful, and everybody's in love with her, and she's going out with me. I just want you to get off the dime and think about your future. She's beautiful, and obviously in the middle of some emotional shootout to consent to date the human tater tot. This is 1987. Did you know that a girl can be whatever she wants to be? I know. My mom's a plumber. I'd recommend you keep your eyes and your mind off my property. Cut it out. Why don't you mind your own business? Really, it must be a drag to be a slave to the male sex drive. I didn't say anything about sex. Oh, want to start a book club with her? 
Anytime somebody from the outside lifts a woman from a quat like Jens, man, we could all find cause to rejoice. You walk out on me, where are you gonna go? I want to show this girl that I'm as good as anybody else. I know how you feel. You've been in love before. There's a lot of things you don't know about me. He got a shot to be the first guy in his family who didn't have to wash his hands after a day's work. Break his heart and break your face. Do you miss me, Keith? Do you miss not being around me? This isn't the third grade anymore. Are you only 18 years old? Then I'm 19, then I'm 20. When does my life belong to me? Okay, guys, some kind of wonderful. 27th of February, 1987, it was released in the USA. It wasn't directed by John Hughes. It was directed by a guy called Howard Deutsch. Dutch. Yeah, them two used to make uh, uh, bright films Deutsch. together. No, it's uh, Deutsch. Deutsch. Because it's, it's basically Deutsch. German, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. In your actual German, it's Howard Deutsch. Deutsch, yeah. <laughs> but John Hughes was the writer and the producer. It stars Eric Stoltz, Mary Stuart Masterson, Leah Thompson. I selected this episode tonight, not necessarily because it is my favourite John Hughes movie, but it, it probably is if I think about it. It's the one I remember most fondly. Okay. A lot of people have a great affinity to Breakfast Club. To me, this one being that little bit later, I was, let me see, I was 18 when this one came out. So I'd gone through that early teen period. I was just, I was working, you know. And I just, I don't know, I just sort of linked with this film at the time. And it's one that I go back to. If someone would say to me, do you want to watch a John Hughes movie? And they give me a choice. This is the one I'll go back to, not necessarily Breakfast Club. I was kind of shocked when when we picked Mm. the films. And my choice and Paul's choice, I was kind of like, okay. And then I was thinking, oh, okay. Yeah. So I thought that's not nobody goes for that. One. It's not what yeah. I would have thought. I, even I'd you, actually not heard of it. If you look no, at like John Hughes's, if you type in John Hughes's best like top ten films, yep. it very rarely features because also one. Go on, go for it. It's <laughs> obviously not. One is that it's not as big as like the other ones. It's say. not. No. But also because some people don't class it as a John Hughes film because he just wrote. It. Yeah, he didn't because he did. It was his production that yeah. made it, not him. Yeah. So some people don't class it as a John Hughes film. Even he didn't direct. He didn't direct it. I mean, no. so he produced and wrote it. But we, we're trying to do a John Hughes season, so let's include this as part of it. Yeah, yeah. It's still there, has John Hughes. There's elements of what you would say a traditional John Hughes movie is. Yeah. There's the high school love angst teenage romance all the way through it but as you pointed out Liam it's a complete reversal of Pretty in Pink and one of these I'm just reading here as well is Mm. that with um, Harold Deutsch and John Hughes it was their they re-teamed to make this (laughs) because the last film they made before it was Pretty in Pink (laughs) and um, as just reading here um Pretty Big wasn't a hit at the box office. It only grossed eighteen point five million, which, which is surprising, good. actually. That Consider- yeah. I remember I how big now, it was at, at yeah. the time. At the time, you remember the psychedelic furs, Pretty in Pink, yeah. the theme tune. Remember it well. I think it was top ten. It was Definitely. on top of the pops. It was it was massive yeah. promotion, you know, from that side of things. But you, you're saying it wasn't like financially. I mean, successful. Pretty in Pink didn't do so well, so that's why. I, and I, I say I watched it. Ages ago, and then I, 
watched half of it today. What, Pretty Pink um, or this? No, um, Some Kind of Wonderful. Oh, right. Uh, Pretty Pink I've seen quite a bit, but yeah. yeah, Some Kind of Wonderful watched years ago and then, I say, half of it today. But it is, and, and as described, if you look online, it's that it's the gender reversal of Pretty Pink. Because from, I know John Hughes wasn't too keen on the ending of Pretty in Pink. The original ending, she ends up with, with Ducky. Ducky. And he didn't like that, so he changed it. Yeah. And the later one didn't like that. Yeah. So that, hence this film. And I think for me, it just, I don't, I don't know if, uh, again, like I said, I sat and binged John Hughes' films mm. today, and I'm used to your Molly Ringwald and your acts like that. And this wasn't a Brat Pack. None of them were classed as Brat Pack. There, there's time. not, Leah Thompson might have been in a couple by this point. At that uh, point, she'd been in Back to the Future. Exactly. So, you know, she's not the John Hughes Brat yeah. Pack, but she's and that. been in Back to the Future. Yeah. We, well, that, this is the thing we spoke about last week, didn't we, Paul? Yeah, your, your party. Because on watching it, I I actually thought he looks a lot like Michael J. Fox. Yeah, he was originally <laughs> classed wasn't he? Yeah. And then I looked and he was in. Back to the Future. For about a month, wasn't it? Yeah. I think they did film. Um, two months it was, yeah. yeah. And then that had to stop. Yeah. S- same as, um, I can't think of the girl who plays Mike McFly's girlfriend in it. Elizabeth Shue she- in the first one. Yeah. Uh, well, in the, no, she, uh, in the second one. In the yeah. second one, but the one in the first, yeah. it was supposed to be, she had other films, that, other TV that she had to do, yeah. so she weren't allowed to, so that had to change her for... And then it became Elizabeth Shue two. in two, yeah. Yeah, mm. but um, yeah, Eric Stoltz was... There's, there's lots of footage of the Eric Stoltz thing out there, isn't there? But yeah. Some Kind of Wonderful was supposed to be Michael J. Fox originally. Yes, it was, yeah. Sorry, yeah. just going back to Pretty in Pink. Mm-hmm. I only reached number 18 in the UK in 86. That was on top of the pops every week. And it week. was originally a 1981 release. It was. It and was. only reached number 43. Yeah, yeah, I know that it was a that's, re-release. That's quite surprising because that is quite an iconic song mm. that you always associate with the film. Sing it. Okay. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> who's it done song? Psychedelic Psychedelic So, who had the first time watch here, Paul? Yes. So it's it's a, it's a brand new John Hughes movie for you in that degree. Yeah. So, so the, tell tell me the first thing that was truly obvious as the credits came up at the start mm-hmm. was that it was eighties. <laughs> As is any John Hughes. <laughs> no, it was just the styling of everything. The, 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 the drum going, the guy yeah, walking on the it, train tracks. Uh, that that, that it just was. gets me every time, though. And then as, <laughs> as soon as you see any characters, especially the women, it's the huge hair yeah. that is like, it's what's caused the ozone fucking layer to go. Well, bearing in mind, <laughs> this is now 1987. Mm. We're now getting into peak 80s, you know. Yeah. They haven't found their feet. Yeah. At the time of Breakfast Club or Sixteen Candles, we're now full blown nineteen eighties. Let's go for it, yeah. I mean, I hadn't read anything about this movie. Yeah. Didn't know anything about it. Started watching it. Saw that the main character's best friend was a a girl that looked a bit tomboyish, and immediately I went, "It's going to get with her." Yeah. It was. Well, you just, know that. It it's so it was a. Absolutely classic storyline for a teen movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't like my best friend. She's yeah. my best friend. Nothing that's else. It's been okay. repeated and done so many times since. It's the, I think that's what bugged me was that if I had never watched Pretty in Pink, this film would have been, been great. Mm. But it genuinely. And then 
like I do with any films that we review, I, I look up online stuff and and reading as I thought it was like it just feels like Pretty in Pink, and then seeing that because it didn't do so well that they tried to redo the Pretty they rehashed Pink, it, and it was like literally what four years later. Yeah. No, not even that. Two years yeah. later, sorry. You I, think, really, did you need to? But that would explain when you said Pretty in Pink didn't break box office records yeah. or anything like that. That's probably why they redone it, because yeah. now people remember Pretty in Pink more, especially in the UK, I think. Yeah. Um, but if it wasn't a great hit, they've just tried to rejiggle it a little yeah. and to make it a hit because I know like yourself Scott there's lots of people out there that think this is a great film mm. and I'm, I'm we not saying think, it's the best John no, Hughes but, movie I'm just, I just wanted to, but to bring to you Liam and myself it? would be more inclined to say Pretty in Pink was the great film but if a lot of people missed out on Pretty in Pink like because it was only like two or three years old at the yeah. time that this mm. came out yeah then this would have been more imprinted yeah. in their I memories. I think if you wasn't reviewing John Hughes films, if we was just going, this is any genre and be yeah. random films and you said it, you'd probably be like, okay, but when you watch John Hughes films, and like we've said, that you can kind of tell a John Hughes film, yep. you then go, oh, hang on, I've seen this before. Yeah. And you so start at, to get that feel. Yeah. Which, so at this point in his career, you're thinking, you're repeating yourself now. Yeah. You're rehashing yeah, your old ideas. Mm. I can see characters that you've introduced in other yeah. films. I can see the style of music you brought in other yeah. films. I think. And I can see why they've tried to play it off as it's a like Howard Deutsch film and mm. not a John Hughes one because he his production helped to make the film. Yeah, and, and, and writer. Yeah, and he yeah. wrote, but he didn't have any other direction of the film. No. It's kind of like. But it's still his film. It still looks it's like still, a John Hughes. Yeah. <laughs> Them two both made Pretty in Pink. So the fact they got together for this, they also co-wrote, um, I'm sure, Ferris Bueller. Because I was reading something. Ah, that, right, there um, you go then, yeah. That when they was trying, I'm sure it was for this, I could be wrong here, that they was trying to write down script for this. And they was up like quite late. Howard Deutsch fell asleep. And they only needed five more pages. Mm. I, I could be wrong. But when he woke up, John Hughes had wrote 50 pages. <laughs> and when he's like, oh, what's that for? And he was like, oh, no, I couldn't think of this one. And he'd wrote Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Bloody hell. <laughs> and finished it. He, he finished, he'd done eight hours, done most of the film in like eight hours. And then the next weekend finished it. But while he was supposed to be thinking of something that like talented. That's the thing, he was supposed to be thinking of this film. It was either this film or Pretty in Pink. He was trying to write a complete movie. And wrote in a completely the different film by did, thinking of what he could do for this. Did you know that? Howard Deutsch <coughs> and uh, Leah Thompson fell in love with this. Fell in love on this film together. Amanda Jones. Yeah. And and they are now married. Oh, right. Okay. Um, Good her, her role was originally offered to... Molly. Molly Ringworm. Mm, oh, yeah. I'll say Ringworm. I can't <laughs> help saying it. Sorry. <laughs> when, when she turned it down, mm. that was the end of the working relationship between John Hughes and Molly Ringworm. Are you reading from the same page as <laughs> <laughs> no, the German page of book. <laughs> but um, yeah, she she turned the role down, and he because he there was a brief spell that they had a relationship together, like as in an intimate. You were saying this? Were they together as a couple? Yeah, I don't know if it was like uh, but, like out and out couple, not, but they'd had it, even in like Breakfast Club, Molly would have been about eighteen at a push. No, no, because she, no, she was fifteen. She was fifteen. In, 15 in, 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 in Candles, yeah, and. 
I think John Hughes was born in 58. So that... He's late 20s. No, 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 no. Puts him as like 36, something like that. Yeah, but back then, age was not a problem between... So you're talking 36 to a 17, 18-year-old? Get in. (laughs) Back then, that wasn't a problem, though, was it? Oh, although just reading it on 27th April this year, Molly Ringwald spoke out about John Hughes and yeah. hashtag Me, Me Too. too. Yeah, because mm-hmm. um, it goes back to the Breakfast Club yep. bit where Judd Nelson is under the desk and sticks his head between oh, her yeah, legs yeah, yeah. and looks at her knickers and that. But, yeah. Get over so, it. so this particular film, okay, it's, it's not going to be your favourite John Hughes movie, but it is... A John Hughes movie that's enjoyable to you guys to a certain degree, or did you not like it at all? I, see, I, I, I can't detect your vibes here at the see, moment. When I first ever saw it, I remember enjoying the film. But as I say, I did watch Breakfast Club, Sixteen Candles, and, then and this, is. and I was trying to no, I watched Sixteen Candles, then I watched it in the yeah. order of like yeah. we've done today. But I, I don't know if it had just been that I was tired and I've just overloaded on John and, Hughes. Yeah, and it was literally halfway through, and I was kind of like. I just wasn't kind of feeling it. And, and it just after when my mind went over into Pretty in Pink and I was like, oh, I want to watch Pretty in the Pink. Pretty in the Pink? <laughs> Pretty in the Stink, yeah. yeah. <laughs> two, two in the Pink, one in the Stink. But yeah, that's when I thought I would I would rather watch Pretty well, that's, in the Pink. That's a shame because I'm going to talk about something here, but Paul, for yourself, first time watch? First time watch. I watched it in a week. Um, I spread the films out so I yeah. wasn't overloaded on it. Yeah. So initial reaction was, oh, it's definitely eighties, and it's like so are the other two, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was like high school, and I say I immediately got the plot, and I wouldn't say I hated it, no, but it's one I could happily not ever watch again. That's a shame because I don't think we'll try this experiment again where we lump three movies by a same director together because I think. What we're getting is that we're watching movies one, two, three, and by the time we get to number three, it wouldn't be too bad. In, in fairness, this was the first one. Was I it the first one? Oh shit! Okay, think, all right. In its, in its, in its defence, then I want to say, in its defence, I want to say that Eric Stoltz, I think he's fucking marvellous. I think he's good. This. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd, I I'd, I couldn't sort of comment on the acting at all. Uh, well, I just think the, I think the same as Liam. As I was about 20, 30 minutes in, and I'm thinking I've seen this story before. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. The, honestly, the acting was good. I had no issue with anything. I mean, the start of it, I would say, would, like the intro to the film is better intro than um, Pretty and Pink, better intro than Breakfast Club, better yeah. intro than 16 Camp, with the, uh, the, the drumming, which is on point. Yeah. And yeah. the over dramatic walking towards the train and, and he was like the fuck are you doing you panic killing something yeah. okay and yeah. it was and I, I enjoyed the acting part of it and I thought it was good it was just my mind had gone this now is pretty in pink and I love yeah. pretty in pink is this a classic case of somebody's tried the same well worn yeah. formula one That's too it. many times they, they, they've got the formula and they're thinking Oh, this will work again. But I and think, it hasn't in your yeah. case. I think you yeah. can tell, for me, you can tell it's only a couple of years apart. Yeah. If he'd done uh, some kind of wonderful in 1991, 92, 
there's been a big enough gap that you can turn around and forgot Pretty in Pink And also, enough. you're, you know you're aiming at a different audience because those teenagers have moved on. You've got new teenagers. I've sussed it out then, that what, what the difference is between us. I saw this before Pretty in Pink. That's it. Which is what yeah, you mentioned yeah. earlier. Yeah. I saw this at the time. I didn't see Pretty in Pink until mm. 10 yeah. years after it was released. And, and that's exactly like it. That. You could then watch Pretty in Pink and just think, yeah. Oh, cool, a new film. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And it's like, it's no different than me watching, well, I suppose it's me watching American Pie films first and then watching Breakfast Club. Oh, going, saying, oh, oh teen like... films. Yeah. <laughs> they, they've always been teen films and they yeah. must have always been around. Not looking at it properly, going, hang on, this is the start of teen films. Mm. But it, I think that's purely because I genuinely love Pretty in Pink. I think it's an amazing mm, film. Great film. And it's just a shame that I've seen them either that way or too close together that it, stuck in my mind that I just thought yeah. hang on and I read too much if I didn't research the film I wouldn't have seen anything that gone like, like I read about it being a gender reversal yeah you know, then I wouldn't be looking at it going oh yeah, yeah, so it is. Is, yeah. It is. and it's it bugs you so after this film we're talking was it 87 isn't it mm. this one within sort of two three years we then get the home alones and yeah. Sort of thing. Which is so, quite a jump from. So is is it because this. of this? Is it you think he's reached the point of like what he can say? Yeah, eighty seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is it is it because he's like right? I've done the teen comedies. Yeah, I, I, I've got to start going I'd, back I'd to my so. national lampoon roots and doing yeah, yeah. something else that's a bit more yeah, I think adult, a bit more comedic. I think he'd milked this genre yeah. for all it was worth, yeah. and just went on to and it's not else. to take anything away from the film because the film is a good film I'm, 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 please don't take it away because I do love this film yeah. <laughs> no I, I, I wouldn't I, yeah. I'm not it just didn't feel right that I was watching a film it, I suppose it's like if I was to it'd be no different than when I eventually if they do make Space Jam 2 for me watching Space Jam as a kid <laughs> don't make a second you're ruining it Pretty in Pink they've made a second by just going let's swap the roles but there's enough, me, there is no. enough differences in to say that it's not an exact. No, it's just that yeah, he's got this it's best a man friend. And a woman. <laughs> he's got this best friend that you know is a bit quirky, a bit out of there. And you're like, oh god, yeah. not really my soul. Yeah. And yeah, no, I'm, I'm interested in this woman. Yeah. I want the and, and she's not doe-eyed and yeah, and jealous <laughs> at all. And then it turns out <laughs> that he went with his own ducky the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> But she's no ducky, is she? No. I mean, no one's ever going to be ducky because he's amazing. I'm a ducky. A rubber ducky. You know I'm definitely you make a ducky. time lots of fun. Sesame Street. Yeah, rubber ducky, I'm yeah. awfully fond of you. Um, <laughs> I thought it was... Um, Burn Ernie. Burn Ernie, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, they come out as gay this year. They did indeed. I mean, because no one knew that. Did we, we, didn't, we didn't see that. Two blokes sharing the same bed all the time. <laughs> yeah, more than wise. Mm. Um, so this progresses now from the John Hughes teen high school comedy mm. into Home Alone, Planes, Trains, whatever you know, yeah. whatever they made. It's a different era. It's it's a different style of film. But it's equally as enjoyable because we all love Home Alone. Even though Home Alone's a kids' film. Oh, it's a fucking brilliant film. It's, 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 a, it's an adult kids' it's film. It's a smartly done adult kids' film. Yeah. Planes, Trains and Automobiles is probably one of the finest comedies yeah. ever made. But he done things like Great Outdoors. Great Outdoors oh, with Chevy Chase. And, oh, <laughs> yeah, Dan, Dan John Candy. John, sorry, John Candy and Dan yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think, yeah, it's just... I suppose you've got to... 
you can't make... So I think that's the only thing that maybe let John Hughes down is that he literally bombarded the 80s with films. Mm. Whereas you can look at... And, and because he kind of done the same things, whereas if you look at, if you, as we mentioned about um, Quentin Tarantino, that's going from early 90s yeah. right through to one every, one every two or three years. So yeah. he's kind of, and he always puts a different kind of yeah. spin on So you're not going, oh, it's a typical Quentin Tarantino yeah. film. No. But I suppose if you was to sit like I did today and watch, I mean, if you watch through Tarantino films, right, that's like nine hours. <laughs> yeah. But you might then go, you can really tell. Mm. Um, but that's the way that I think sometimes can ruin films is like um, I know a couple of people my, one of my best mates his brother went to college university and he now works on films and he's destroyed every film he ever loved destroyed right. because they teach him what you need to look for now to make a film better oh. so his favourite films are now not his favourite films Yeah, because they point out like the content, I mean, I know it's continuing a lot of things, but, but it's sometimes not to ruin my own films. I, I stopped watching making of documentaries and things like mm. that a long time ago, the Blu ray extras. Yeah. Because when you get that peek behind the curtain, it takes that magic away. Yeah. Of yeah. the whole filmmaking yeah. process. You don't want to know how they made no. someone fall off a cliff and yeah. whatever. Yeah, you, you and just, how these special effects yeah. are done. The or even, thing, you know. The only thing that special um, features on Blu ray should have is gag reel. And deleted scenes. Big gag reel. Nothing. Yeah. Gag reels make a yeah. film. Then you actually go. Do you know what they're actually enjoying? What they're doing? Yeah. Fuck mm. But other than that, the whole point of a film is to take you away from it's the magic. Yeah. bullshit life you're in at that very yeah. moment. Even if you've got the most perfect life, it's still bullshit compared to what you're watching. I don't, I don't want to know how the Millennium Falcon flies. Yeah. Or yes. I still yeah. Just to let you know, it would never have done that because hovering. <laughs> Wouldn't have worked. But even, the, even how they made it work on film. Yeah. It, 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 how Superman fucking flies. You know, anything like that. Yeah. But the one that sticks in my head, was it True Lies, Schwarzenegger and... Yeah. Because. Yeah. When the Harrier jump jet. Yeah, when he jumps on the outside. Now, I saw the scenes where they made that mm. and like all green screen with a plastic jump jet yeah. like yeah. dangling from strings outside and a fake window. you watch the real And you're like, oh. But yeah. too, too many people <laughs> now enjoy... Destroying films because mm. I watched um, Skyscraper, the rock film, yeah, what a great movie. which is genuinely and it's a fucking amazing, what a great amazing movie. film. I have not and seen it. And it is yet. in tribute to Die Hard and Tower Inferno. It it's is. a tribute too because they love the films. But when someone's like, he has one leg and he jumped from the crane, if you look and someone actually drew up, if you used to jump, you wouldn't have made that, he would have gone down, and you're like, it's a fucking film. Yeah, please watch Star Wars because hmm? yeah. if you're worrying about the rock jumping off a crane with a Wooden leg, a, a robotic leg, and a normal leg, and you're gen- so, but you're fine with watching Star Wars going. That's perfectly legit. That's fine. That's you can't fine. sit yeah. there and just go. The whole point of the film is that you just get uh, the more obscene a film, yeah. the better. I don't need to watch. Just any, get immersed in it. I think that's why I'm never going to be a fan of your film noirs and things because they, at the time, were more realistic. The, they, yeah. the things that could happen. Yeah. To me, I want to watch a film so I can go. I don't need to go. I'm intelligent. I don't need to go look what I know. I just want, not that I'm saying you do, but mm. it's some people do. They, I, I've seen a lot of people that watch a film noir because they just think it's I'm intelligent, so I should because it's cool. Yeah. I grow a beard and a curly moustache and wear glasses. <laughs> yeah. It's that sort I'm of thing. live in shortage. Yeah, exactly. I'm a hipster, so I watch cool <laughs> films. I'm also vegan. But it's, I, I want to really? watch a film. I didn't think vegans usually told us. Shh. 
hashtag vegan cat. But it's, you watch a film because you don't want to be in, I, I'm not going to sit there and go, do you know what I really want to watch? A film that fucking destroys my life right now. Films were designed to entertain. Yeah. Films were designed to take you away from reality. Yeah. Um, and the more you find out how the mechanics of that film was put in place to make a film being made, it doesn't become fantastical anymore. No, exactly. You take away that, as you say, you take away that the magic. magic. You yeah. take away the magic. It would be like when Disney started doing their special edition DVDs and showed you the drawings being done. You're like, yeah, all right, we know they're animated. I've, I've, you don't I've have to show us that, how the fucking yeah, drawing. You don't need to see every single frame. And, and like you said, Skyscraper. I went into that knowing what it was. Like I knew yeah. San Andreas. San Andreas. Was yeah. gonna be, Superb film. Right, we all agree on this thing. A lot of people laugh at my love for San Andreas, but I went into oh, that knowing it was going to be a disaster movie that yeah. was going to be so over the top. People always say that, and I, well, not always, most people I know have said to me that apparently I don't have a good taste in films because I like the expendable films. What's wrong with that? And I turned and said to them, I was like, how can you not like corny 80s action? Yeah. But modernised. Yeah. Mm. I was like, unrealistic, where you just want the hero to win at all costs, yet no one wants to turn around and go, well, first of all, they haven't got a woman, it's sexist. But first of all, a cow blew up, why is he not vegan? But I bet this. Third of all, why are they all muscly men? What's the skin? You're like, but why are you trying to analyse a film? Because I bet you're the same people like Fast and Furious. Well, actually, no. A lot of people say it to me, also tell me and go, why do I watch them? Because they're shit. And I'm like, but they're, but they're unrealistic. Yeah. They're That's just what a film... If I want to watch a realistic piece of shit car film, I'll watch fucking Top Gear. Should we go back to 1931 when Frankenstein was made? That was realistic. Exactly. Or Nosferatu, fucking yeah. four or five Dracula, years to that. Um, films are based on fantasy, on, yeah. on stretching your imagination. Yeah. Yeah. And... Of films give us the opportunity to actually see that where you can't yeah. do it in real life yeah. and when you watch it happen on the screen if it's done well you think fair play yeah. it's fucking great to see the rock jumping from a crane to yeah. a skyscraper or one you look at what it's created I mean you think of they've now got like in the last three years after Back to the Future they now have self-lacing shoes I Nike, saw that yeah. Nike making the £600 a pair and I will get a pair one day <laughs> but they're self-lacing shoes just like the Air Max yeah. that he had in 1985 yeah. going forward to 2015 <laughs> and you can buy them boots they don't self-lace but you can buy them boots extortion of money but they, they look at the hoverboard they've tried to make that yeah. them films and the imagination back then yeah. is creating inventions now we might have said this off air 2001 the Stanley Kubrick film they're looking at things that are surprisingly like iPads yeah, and that film was made 68, 69 wherever it was yeah. Star know. Trek had I, well not iPads they had the same like type a, of thing a, yeah. like, like an iPad in the hat yeah. Yeah. they had all technology that we're looking at now going yeah well, we've, got, we a, we've got a version of that yeah, we, we, but, we, we're doing that now but yet in the 70s and 80s of Star Trek it's like no nah, bullshit that's, yeah. they're so far advanced that's proper 2000 <laughs> and something you're like yeah we're in that era yeah we've done it and it is happening and that's the thing films can create so much yeah. It was only because of films like, say, like Jaws, that they then decided to start actually looking deeper into great white sharks and the sea life and find out more about them animals. Yeah. Because people were genuinely fearful because of the first Jaws film that they'd done a bit more research into educating people yeah. about great... Otherwise, people were. Yeah. Before that film, anybody that I'd ever spoken to, like my mum, 
Nobody saw anything to do with great white sharks. They were just like, oh, they're, they're killers. When yeah. Jaws came out, that was even before, and Paul will remember this, that David Attenborough series called Life on Earth, oh, God, yeah, which brilliant. was the groundbreaking yeah. Yeah. you know, natural history documentary, 78, I think mm, it might have been. Yeah. And before that, we had The World of Survival and these other... Survival. Do you remember that? God, yeah. yeah. Anglia TV had a thing mm. called The World of Survival, which just showed us elephants and tigers yeah. and cheetahs. Like yeah, things, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. Uh, and we, we knew about wildlife. You know, Jacques Cousteau was out there underwater, but yeah. we didn't know everything. We, didn't. No, we still don't. We never go... Definitely not. Look at the Blue Planet. You know, there's shit that's being found every yeah. single day, you know. Um, we know more about space than we do we about... We do, that's the thing, isn't it? That's what they say, yeah. But back to the film, because <laughs> yeah, we really we're, we're trying to avoid it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. In the world of John Hughes, it's not the best John Hughes movie. Nope. I didn't bring it to the table saying it was the best John Hughes movie, but no, it's one that I'm, one that I'm very yeah, fond yeah, of. Yeah, I can understand um, you being fond of this, having not seen Pretty in Pink, Pretty in Pink beforehand. Yeah. I had a massive crush on Mary Stuart Masterson. She's she's very nice looking. So yeah. much to this to this day that I still adore anybody that's got that haircut. That that's a serious hairstyle. I love that haircut and I've always adored it. Um Leah Thompson, who is fucking gorgeous in this film, took second place to me. Yeah. Same for you guys, because obviously you know he's yeah, gonna get lots at the end anyway. I think but. back in the eighties, a girl with short hair was immediately labelled as a lesbian or tomboy or whatever. Whereas now, it it doesn't matter what style of hair they've got. But I see her with the short hair as being much more beautiful than the girl with the hair that looked like Lady Diana's bloody (laughs) hairspray had gone on. Because Lady Diana's minched. (laughs) For me, it wasn't the hair. It was more that she just... She has a prettier face. Her facial Ooh. structure is prettier. Because the thing is, genuinely, and this is geeky right now, scientifically proven, it's nothing to do with the hair on someone's head. What are you doing? Thing on here called Bixby, and it says, Dick, the girl with hair that looked like Lady Diana Zoo Cloudy, has spread. <laughs> it's not very good at picking up words. I thought it was breaking news. Yeah, so did I. That's why I stopped. That's why I stopped talking. Oh, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's just the phone. What, Lady Guy? Yeah. No, but Mary Stuart Masters. Otherwise, I was going to cut the recording there. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I don't. Th- we, we got. I think she's beautiful because her facial structure. There is nothing to do scientifically proven. It's nothing to do with someone's hair yeah. that you like. Someone, it's you. You identify with it's the big the eyes, space, isn't like it? the eyes to nose to mouth ratio that people find that's appealing. That's science right there. Nothing to do with her stuff. FY fucking just, I liked her hair. <laughs> Paul likes boy haircuts. Quickly, just going back to Eric Stoltz. I think he's probably one of the most natural actors that we've ever seen. Do, do, do you think he makes things look quite easy? No. When you look at Eric Stoltz, do you think he's acting? Yes. Do you? Yeah. No, I'm not a fan of Eric Stoltz. No? I, I, I find him too... I, I didn't see his performance as anything other than ordinary. Right. Because yeah, honestly, I, if you used to compare like an Eric Stoltz to a Tom Hanks, no, Eric Stoltz wouldn't even touch Tom Hanks' testimony. I, I, I don't know. I just think Eric Stoltz has this easy too way of, of acting. I mean, you know Eric Stoltz from Pulp Fiction, yeah? Yeah. Really? 
He's the guy. He's the guy that punches the syringe into Irma Thurman's chest. All right. Okay. I just think Eric Stoltz has this really natural way of acting. Obviously, it's only me because you guys are completely disagree. I, I just no. find that he was too Michael J. Fox. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's mass- yeah, massively. But I, I find him too smarmy. As yeah, an actor. I was going to say smug. Except, but yeah, yeah it's smug, was that smarmy, the character? Just... Was that the character he's playing? It, yeah. it might be, but I mean, I've seen him in other stuff before. I watched yeah. some kind of one for, and it just. He had that like he shit didn't stink look, and yeah. I don't I don't like that in an actor. It's uh, see, I like an actor that's quite I can imagine self deprecating after this film being one of the wanting to rat pack. pack. Uh, no, see, I picture him as just somebody that's just finds Watch acting very no, just finds acting very easy. It just yeah. it just I mean, he may be. Mm. I think it just things that I've seen. It's just, I look at people like Tom Hanks who. Seems like a, such a down to earth human being. That yes, just yeah. loves doing yeah. his job. You, you see it for the joy of it. It's just so laid back. Whereas and... Eric starts to see, even compared to if I say Johnny Johnny Depp, because Johnny Depp's always a laugh and a joke with things. Yeah. I see Eric starts to sort of person that's just very much like, yeah, that's me. Yeah. It's what I do. <laughs> and you think, yeah, you're a bit of a dick. <laughs> he seems like he's the jock. Yeah, he's already really? the jock. All oh, right, okay. He has the look of a jock. And I'm, I'm genuinely glad he never got to be uh, Michael, Michael J. Fox. Fox. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, Michael thought, J. Fox cemented that role and he was yeah. quite dithering in that mm. that made him great, unfortunately, yeah. because of him. In, in this movie, I think I think it's the fact that he has that self-confidence. He's supposed to be playing somebody that's quite self-confident. Somebody yeah. that's very sort of assured of what mm. he's doing, where he's going. Yeah. But the only thing he's not sure of is, is who he wants to be with. Yeah. Well, well, actually, he is sure of who he wants to be with. Yeah, but he's yeah. just not taking it. But then he's, he's wrong about who yeah. he wants to be with. There was um, um, one bit in the film that... Oh, fuck, I put too much in the glass. Excuse me, sorry, listeners. Um, <laughs> I put too much rum for myself. I'll put some more Coke in there. Um, yeah. But, but some Coke. <laughs> well, good job. I would have forgotten. Like, <laughs> um, do you know the uh, like shaven head punk? That, Elias Cateas. Yes. Yes. Bless you. Who... <laughs> Who, FYI, as soon as I saw him, I was like, that's fucking Casey Jones from the Ninja Turtles film in 1990. It was Casey Jones with the hockey stick. I think he's in the shape of water as well. Not too sure. No, fuck, is he? Let me have a look. I've only just fucking watched that and I love that film. Better than three billboards. I might be getting it mixed up with someone else we've watched over the last three weeks. No, I've got Elias Elias Cateris mixed up with someone else over the last three movies, but... I'll tell you, we haven't mentioned this film. Is um, Eric Stoltz's dad? Eric Stoltz's dad. What do you know him from? Uh, I'm just trying to think of the character because this is the first one of the three I watched. I'm struggling to remember. John Ashton. Who? John Ashton. Have you got a picture? John Ashdown or Ashton? Ashton. Ashton. Oh, he does look familiar. Hang on. Don't look at what he's been in yet. I'll show you, show Paul the picture. That's an old picture, of, well, an older picture of him. From probably about three or four years before this film. No. Beverly Hills Cop. Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, what? One of the... One and two. Oh, the older guy. It's him with Judge Ryan. Judge Ryan. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So I still look excited that I saw Casey Jones in it. <laughs> Just because I'm a fucking huge Ninja Turtles fan. Like massively. Okay, so this this particular movie, let's let's rate 
Don't your star ratings, guys? I know this is going to be lower than mine, but uh, ask Paul first. <laughs> <laughs> Bastard! You can point your hand on microphone. Well, come on, we'll, 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 let's we go back. Break, breakfast Club and sixteen candles. What did you do? Uh, three and three, three, four, three, six, three and five. Yeah, mm. three. I meant to say three for breakfast 16. Club's five. This, I don't want to slate it because it was an okay film. I wouldn't watch it again. Yeah. Unless I was bored, um, I, I, was I would have to. If I'm going to be generous, I'm going to go two and a half. That's fair enough. That's good. That's fine. William, you look so disappointed. That's okay. Like, it's fine. Close my eyes. No, no, no. Because I knew that mind. was. I knew that was coming. It's fine. Um, I, I, in, in my head, I was thinking two and a half myself because. It's not better than 16 Candles. No, it's not as um, good as 16 Candles. I think candles. out of five is difficult because two and a half sounds bad for the oh, film. True. If it was out yeah. of ten, I would have gone like a seven. Six, seven, yeah. Because out right. of ten, you've got a more gauging because yeah. lower than a five is very bad. Yeah. 2.5 makes it seem like it's a bad film. Yeah. It's just purely because... It's been done before. I love Pretty in Pink. Yeah. And this yeah. is a gender reversal of it. And yeah. I couldn't rate higher than a 16 Candles... And definitely uh, I was saying, I'm saying 2.5, 2.5, 50%, closer to, yeah. yeah. If, we were to change, if we were to change the rating systems to like gradings, A plus, A minus, B plus, would that make any difference? I would say a C plus. Oh, really? Does it make it any easier to grade them now? No. No, no I think. Does it yeah. make it any easier to grade them out of 10? I think 10 would be better. Is this A to Z? Or, <laughs> yeah, it's what a bad Because you're not going to like it when we go Z. A to Mildred Pierce. Yeah. <laughs> if it was, I think out of 10 is more feasible because yeah. sometimes I think you if someone's need, listening or. Or percentages then. There's no, another one. There's so many different. Out of 10, Scott. Because out of 10, really, isn't it? So if it was out of 10, Paul. Um, six. Yeah, I'd say Liam, six and a half, seven. Six and a half, seven. Yeah. Which, because if, if you turn yeah. around and say... It's not one I'd never watch again. If yeah. it was on telly yeah. and I had nothing else to do, I'd watch it. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely not a bad film. And it's that's not why a bad I, film, no. That's no, not. out of five makes it seem really bad because we can all sit here and name films that we love. Mm. And if someone says, what do you think? And someone else says, two, two and a half. And you think, what the fuck, ain't that bad? Yeah. But out of ten, if someone goes... Yeah. Well, it's a six, you're like, yeah. well, it's not a three. It's not I, I think yeah. out of ten, anything above a five is a, they definitely watch it again. Yeah. yeah. And it's not a hate. Yeah. Whereas if you're below five, that's a like, yeah, oh shit, don't I didn't like that film. I think a, a, out of ten rating would be better because mm. I, sometimes I feel that it seems that I'm being horrible to a film that I like, mm. but because I love a film more. Yeah. Like, okay. That's why I'd say two and a half. And, and also it gives five. you that scope, like for Breakfast Club, for instance, yeah. five out of five. If it was out of ten, I might have gone nine, nine and a half. Yeah, I would have gone, it, I would have gone a nine. Yeah, because okay. it's not perfect. Because yeah. hopefully we've never seen the perfect film. Because otherwise, why are we we're continuing to, to watch the perfect film? Yeah. Is the one that John Malkovich has made that none of us will ever see. Okay, <laughs> he's read. No, no, no one will ever. None of us will ever see. It. He's made a film. Oh, that's that going to be hundred years. years time. Yeah, yeah. And it's called yeah. hundred years. And yeah. Only, he's never even watched it. Yeah. That will be the perfect film because we'll never know. We can't criticize it. I, I think out of ten does give you that scope to yeah. say this is almost perfect. 
Yeah. I'm waiting to see. In 20 years' time, you might look back and say, yeah, it is perfect because nothing's come yeah. along since that yeah. I've Because you think if we, do, if we did Untouchables and Paul went 10, or if we pull it five, and I was yeah. like, two. That sounds incredibly insulting to the film. Yeah. It's only if he said 10, and I was like, three less at seven. That's yeah. not a bad rating. Yeah. But a two, you're like, yeah. that's fucking, that's yeah. my favourite film. That's yeah. fucking insulting. Get, get the fuck out. <laughs> well, for me, this is a five star out of five. A nine out of ten. Yeah. Ten is yeah. yeah. And as so, we'd say, you need to stop drinking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> stop bringing these films to us, yeah. you bastard. <laughs> no, it, it, it's, 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 a, it's a very good film, and I love all John Hughes films. I just. I, I also wanted to bring this as well because it's one that Paul hadn't seen and yep. you hadn't seen that. It's That's one why that I chose 16 Candles because I'd yeah. never seen it, heard about it, didn't know much about it. If I said you get three of the most famous John Hughes movies, we'd have gone Planes, Trains, Home Alone, Pretty in Pink or whatever, or Breakfast Club. Yeah. We wouldn't have chosen 16 Candles and, and this one. So, okay, let's take a short break. We'll be back with what we're going to be watching for the next three episodes. And now, preview time. When it comes to entertainment, you can't beat a good film. So let's take a look at what's coming your way. Next time, in the run-up to Christmas, we might have a Christmas episode or two. Haven't decided yet, have we? No, not yet. Not yet, okay. So we've still got a few more episodes to go. What are we going to do for the next three episodes? Paul is mm. going to be up first. Yes, Paul. What are we doing for the next three episodes? Well, the first, well, first episode. Well, we've done very few documentaries. Oh, I just thought of one. So, <laughs> I've never seen this, but always wanted to. Yeah. Um, Supersize Me. Oh. Oh, Liam's, L- Liam's, Liam's not grown, impressed. Then. Have you seen it? Yeah, loads yeah. of times. Have you? I'm a fast food fucking expert. <laughs> of course I've seen it fucking <laughs> It's good, but I've seen it so many times it just yeah. fucking annoyed me. Do you know what I was thinking? That um, I'm not going to pick it, but what I was thinking is this is Spinal Tap. Oh, bloody yeah, hell. Really Jesus. Oh, you have? Yeah. Okay. So I fucking love that. Mm. But yeah, it's not what I picked. Super Size Me is not a bad one. Liam, come on, because you will be our expert on this. Could it be fat? No, I'm because you've seen it. You will be our expert on the film, not on the fucking food. Oh, right, no, he knows the menu, top yeah. to bottom. <laughs> yeah. Um. I've seen it once when it first came yeah. out. I watched it and then uh, I've watched it like a few times when it's been on TV or Netflix. I'm just like, and each time I'm just like, ah, oh, fucking dick. Right. But so, not in the sense of I'm just angry at people that he's choosing to do something to make a point. I'm like, you could kill yourself. This is going to make an interesting conversation because also it spawned a, a series of documentaries based on the way he'd done his research mm, and things yeah. like that because there was the guy that done Super High Me or yeah. whatever it was as and well. And then it... It was no different than your Great British Baker for now. Now everything's like your Great British Railway yeah. fucking train station. Your Great British. <laughs> What's that got to do with Great job? British Bacon? No, because no, everything's that, Great everything's British. Great British. Oh, yeah. right. Like okay. your Great British spelling bee, your Great British sew off. You're like. Yeah. But supersize me. But as soon as you put something on the front, like supersize, yeah. super high me, <laughs> supersize me. One of the reasons I'm choosing this is because uh, recently I watched The Founder with Michael Keaton. Yes which is a really good film and explains how McDonald's started and got to be as big as it was. And yeah. how they funded the IRA. So I want to see 
the so, negative side of it. Super Size Me is a very interesting documentary. That's, that's in the negative side. Look at both of our guts. <laughs> there's the negative side. I can't side. see yours over mine. Yeah. There's the negative side of five-piece chicken select meal, Paul. <laughs> we know full well Call what we eat. cheese. Exactly. And the extra double cheeseburger that I have, along with my chicken nuggets <laughs> yeah. and Big Mac meal. <laughs> it's the whole Super Size thing, isn't it? Do we have Super Size over here? They no. stopped it. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. had it for a while, didn't they, Super yeah. Size? But they just don't... Put it back to small, medium, large. Was it because of this? Much. Yeah. Yeah, I think partly. Okay. But it's like they have those chain things now. It, you pay more if you want a full-fat Coke because of... Um, yes, don't we know? We can't find full-fat Coke anywhere. Bastards. Good choice, Paul. I like it. There you go. No, no, I do. Oh, right. Okay. But I don't. But I do. Liam. Oh, Scott. <laughs> How are you both doing? Liam. Good, thanks. <laughs> Liam. Oh. Fuck, I've done again! <laughs> Because that cock sitting there being <laughs> smug. We'll try again, shall we? Yeah. Liam. Scott. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's when he goes, Liam. oh, no. Oh, Liam. <laughs> Liam, your choice. I'm going for one of my favourite films. Ooh. And it is one of the one of my favourite also comedians in Robin Williams. Oh, good. And it was made and directed by the two men starring in it, Mr. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Cool. <laughs> and it is Goodwill Hunting. Excellent. Goodwill Hunting will be second on the list of the reviews we're going to be doing in December. You never watched Goodwill Hunting. Why is he even allowed? Because to be I'm well, being this, educated. This is part of it, isn't it? Come on, Fucking this educated. is part of it. I was a child when this film was made. Uh, what are you doing, Scott? I'm going to raise the bar a little. We're going to have a Best Picture Oscar winner. Oh, shit. Yeah, this could be. It's, it's, mm. not, it's not going back it's to Mildred, Mildred Pierce, Pierce too. Era, don't worry. <laughs> the return of Mildred Pierce. <laughs> You'll like this one. It's, it's Tom Cruise. It's Dustin Hoffman. We're going to go Rain, Rain Man. Rain Man, nice. I watched it yesterday. Because <laughs> it's on Netflix, so not yesterday. What day was yesterday? Friday. Thursday. I watched yeah. it Thursday. I have. I saw it at the cinema. Haven't seen it since. I, I think that would just be one to go back and have a little. I love Rain Man. There you go. I fucking so love Rain Man. I genuinely think I'm a bit like Rain Man. <laughs> I remember insignificant details. You're talking everything. like Rain Man now. <laughs> I can sound like Rain Man. You can't mm, tell me like Charlie Bennett. Yeah, good. Fuck you. <laughs> first, of all of, first of all, of Rain Man Club. Only Rain Man can say Rain Man. <laughs> So, for November, going into December, Paul has chosen Supersize Me, Liam, Goodwill Hunting, and for myself, Rain Man. Not a bad selection, actually. No, I, I'm actually I'm nice. good yeah. with them. Yeah. I'm not yeah, anticipating... The, un, the only one I've seen I loved, and I'm intrigued to watch the other two. Yeah, so. a little bit of a interesting conversation before we try and think of something to talk about for Christmas, if we get a chance to record something before then. So... Yeah. Liam, Paul, thank you guys for the oh, last three episodes. You. It has been a pleasure. As always. Uh, thank you very much, guys. See you very soon. See you later. TTFN. <laughs> the management of this theatre suggests that for the greater entertainment of your friends who have not yet seen the picture, you will not divulge to anyone the secret of the ending. Astral arms, that infernal jamboree is worse than two cats on a fence. You dudes get lost now, you hear? Good night, ladies. Good night, sir. When you fail down.
positive thinking. That's what I told them and said, don't wear a frown. Try positive thinking, laugh at your troubles instead. You've got to look on the bright side, on hope so much depends. With your confidence sinking, positive thinking helps you on the way, my friend. When things look black, try positive thinking. Treat every season as spring. No glancing back, try positive thinking. Trust what tomorrow may bring. This crazy world that we live in will keep on spinning round. But with good, strong, positive thinking, we'll get together and life won't let us down. Oh, shut up. We enjoy it.